Okay, today we come to Ephesians chapter 5, and in this chapter, Paul continues his strong exhortations as to how we ought to walk or live as professing followers of Christ. He opens the chapter exhorting us, verses 1 and 2, to be imitators of God and to walk in love. He says in verse 8 that uh, we should walk as children of light. And in verse 15, he says that Christians should look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. So again, the emphasis is still heavily on the, the outward practical application in life of the theological realities he described in the first half of the letter. When this particular chapter he's going to identify the source of our ability to discern and live lives that are pleasing to the Lord and furthermore he's going to show that the family and how we live and act within it is in many respects the proving ground of our profession of faith um, so I want to just take note of a couple of things first about uh, being filled with the spirit and then say a final word briefly about husbands and wives all right so First, uh, we saw, as we saw, the, the, uh, there are exhortations aplenty <laughs> regarding how we ought to live as uh, Christians. Um, we're called upon to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and live in that way. That's verse 10. And think again about the stunning command in verse 1 that we should be imitators of God. Seriously? Imitate God? I mean... Uh, <laughs> I, well, you know, I think, I, I guess Paul understands that I'm not God. So how does he seriously want me to imitate God if, if I'm not God? It seems sort of a high bar uh, to, to strive for. <clears throat> how does he seriously think we can carry out that kind of command to be an imitator of God? Well, it's because Paul knows that when a person gets saved, quote unquote, God doesn't simply forgive that person of their sins and send them on their merry way with a hearty good luck, but uh, he knows that there's something else going on in every believer. Another reality that makes obedience to all these commands and exhortations possible in that reality is the Holy Spirit. God himself is within us, enabling us to imitate him in every way and to reflect his character. Thus, in verse 8, 18, Paul gives a dual command. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There are two commands in that verse. One, don't get drunk. Two, be filled with the Spirit. It's a sin to get drunk. It is just as much a sin then not to be filled with the Spirit. Both are disobedience to commands. For many Christians, it's, it's pretty easy to get a handle on what Paul means by don't get drunk. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty straightforward. But what exactly does he mean by the other command to be filled with the Spirit? Well, if you're just looking at verse 18 in the context of, of uh, those two commands being put side by side, don't get drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit, we at least know from that verse alone that Paul wants our thoughts and actions to be under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit rather than alcohol. And why else put those two commands side by side? So we know at least that much. But still, it's pretty easy to figure out how to get drunk and thus how not to. How, though, do we come to be filled with the Spirit? Well, let's say we agree with that. Okay, I know it's wrong to be drunk with wine or to be drunk at all. And I, I agree in my mind that I should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if I want to obey that, what do I do? How, what do I go about to do in order to be uh, obedient to that command well to answer that question about how to be filled with the spirit 
I want us to compare what Paul says in two different passages. I want us to compare what Paul says to the Ephesians here in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, and then also what he says to the Colossians in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. One reason comparing these two passages is helpful is because Paul wrote the Colossians from the same prison cell that he wrote to the Ephesians. So many of the same themes uh, and even phrases appear in both letters because he wrote them so close together and, and certain things were on his mind. It's almost as like, like when you're writing uh, thank you notes and you have to write a bunch of them. Sometimes you start to say many of the same things in every, every one. That's sort of the same case here. And I think in that way, something he says in Colossians chapter 3 helps us to understand what he means when he tells the, the Ephesians in chapter 5 to be filled with the Spirit. Now let's take a quick look at what I'm trying to get at. When Paul tells the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, in the verses that follow, he mentions several results or outworkings of, of being filled with the Spirit, namely addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's verses 19 through 21. Well, interestingly, in Colossians 3, we find a strikingly similar list. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is almost identical to uh, Ephesians 5. It, it, you know, we so many uh, repeated phrases, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, thankfulness in your hearts, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the, here's the noteworthy part. In Ephesians 5, those things were outcomes of being filled with the Spirit in verse 18 but in Colossians 3 those same things are the outcomes of as he puts it in Colossians 3 16 letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly so what I'm getting at is this in Paul's mind being filled with the spirit and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly produce the same results I don't think that's insignificant in, I believe in Paul's mind there are two ways of referring to the same thing since the same things result the same results are said to come from each that means we are filled with the spirit by letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly that's not a purely mechanical thing the Holy Spirit inspired the words of Scripture so when we fill our minds and hearts with Scripture we are filling our hearts and minds with the words of the Holy Spirit thus being filled with the Spirit you know, re recall that back in 1 Corinthians 2, we saw that the things of the Spirit of God are imparted in words. Being filled with the Spirit is not necessarily some mystical state that a, a believer is instantaneously zapped into. It is, a, it is as practical a thing as filling your mind and heart with the things of the Spirit, the words of Scripture that he inspired, and thus coming under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember, According to Ephesians, excuse me, according to Hebrews 4.12, the word of God isn't just informative, it is living and active. But secondly, 
Let's say a, a quick word about husbands and wives. The latter section of Ephesians 5 revolves around the relationship between husband and wife, showing that not only is marriage a God-ordained picture that refers to Christ in the church, uh, but in many respects, it is the proving ground for our profession of faith. Husbands are to look to Christ as the model for loving and serving uh, his wife. Uh, a wife is to look to Christ as the model for her respecting and submitting to her husband. How can a man say he loves Christ and others if he mistreats and demeans his wife? How can, a, how can a wife say she gladly submits to Christ and serves him if she doesn't show glad and humble submission to the loving and humble leadership of her husband? In both cases, the eyes of both husband and wife are to be fixed on Jesus and both fulfill their respective roles in the relationship ultimately out of love for Christ and his worthiness more than the worthiness of their spouse. The marriage relationship is the proving ground for whether or not we truly die to ourselves and live according to the perfect and rewarding will of Christ. Those are just a couple of thoughts from Ephesians chapter 5.